Welcome to the Association OS Podcast, a show for C-level association execs about opportunities and strategies to serve members better. Design never happens by accident. This podcast is to help you design better member experiences and prepare for the future of your organization by expanding our shared knowledge and imagination of what's possible. My name is Brody Bond. I'm the Chief Creative Officer at Blue Ocean Ideas, a problem-solving creative agency that leads brand strategy, marketing execution, and technology transformation. Let's get to today's conversation. All right, we're here with Rebecca Brown, the Director of Development at the Maryland Association of CPAs, affectionately uh, acronymed as MACPA. Not MACPA. Not MACPA. The great, one of the great things, Rebecca, I love about MACPA is the tagline of the organization is Connect, Protect, Achieve, which if you were to acronym that, spells out CPA, seems so appropriate um, and couldn't be coincidental, but that is what you guys do is help people connect, protect the profession and help people achieve. It works, it works beautifully. It does. Anyway, how are you? How are you? Thank you for coming on our show. Happy to be here. Um, I, I like to begin conversations with people usually with the same question, which is where did you grow up? Because I think that that can be interesting. Okay. Where did you, where did you grow up? I grew up, so location wise in Baltimore County, Maryland. Um, and have now lived here my entire life went away for four years for school um, with the understanding that I would come back so that my parents would help pay for said school. Um, it was kind of a requirement. No, it was jokingly a requirement, but I always planned to come back. Um, and I absolutely love where I live. It's the and perfect balance of all the great things. You can get to a city, you can get to a mountain, and you can get to a beach all within around the same time, under three hours for all of those things. And an airport. And an airport, also very important, although I hate flying, so. <laughs> um, where, when you, were, when you were growing up, what did, you, what did you observe you having the most curiosity about before you headed off? I um, always wanted to be in business, I think, because I, I was just always um, creating some sort of little business all the time. Like I had really? lemonade stands. I like wanted to work from the time yeah. I was like young. Um, and, and help people in that. So I've always been more, more like business minded, I think, um, you know, I loved my teachers growing up and I respected them and would play school or whatever, but I didn't ever see myself as a, a teacher in that sense for some reason. Um, and I think teaching is one of those like gifts that I, my sister's a kindergarten teacher. And when I look at what she can do, um, oh, yeah. it's just a, it's a special, special gift to be able to do that. So. Well, some people would say that teaching CP, CPE might, <laughs> might be a special gift too, but. It, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a, um, a gift I didn't think I had until I started doing it. And then I thought. It must be a gift because there's there's no way I'm doing this out of any kind of a skill of my own. So, so did your did your lemonade? Would you say that you fulfilled the dreams of the of the lemonade stand or uh, counter counteracted the, their effect? Um, no, I think my career has always been, it's been um, a weird kind of winding career of figuring out and getting closer to um, that like sweet spot of things that I really value and care about and want to work towards and the gifts and skills that I've been given. Um, and you know, having to make a living, that's an important component of all of these things too. Um, so moving towards that, but I think it's been very entrepreneurial in all of that because I've really kind of taken ownership in every step of the way. And so when I talk to students a lot, I think that's one of the things I try and instill in them that um, a, you spend so much time in your work, um, so much, such a large portion of your life for it not to connect to who you are um, and be personalized and 
inside your value system um, just seems mm-hmm. like such a waste to not like love what you do for that large portion of your life um, seems so sad um, to me when there's opportunity to find ways to work um, your value system, the things that you're passionate about, um, what you love to do, your skill set, um, your strengths. There's, there's ways to work all those things together into careers. I want to come back to that in a, in a few okay. minutes when we talk about what you what you're personally doing with and for members of MACPA. But I first want to go back to something you said about a, you've had a winding career path so far. And for our for our listeners, and I don't know the best way to tactfully um, say this, but you're a you're a younger individual compared to maybe some of the other members of the staff of MACPA. Um, do you feel like, can you describe your career path and what brought you to serving as a association leader and yeah. maybe compare that to your professional peer group and what other leaders at your organization, what their career path was like? Yeah. So, um, I started out, I went to school in Ohio, um, at Ohio state. I'm a Buckeye. I'm very proud of that. Um, and I studied accounting. I actually went to Ohio State to study sports management. Um, you might have heard that they have a fairly good football team there, and I was obsessed with football, still a huge football fan, and um, you know, knew I wasn't going to play football, probably wasn't going to be a very good coach of football either, but had the entrepreneurial business mindset that I've always had, yeah. um, always been very good with managing my own money, uh, and so went the route of sports management. Uh, through that, I created a sports management, uh, specialization within the business school at Ohio state, um, cause it wasn't, cause it wasn't, it wasn't something that existed. Um, but they had an opportunity for you to create a specialization. So I put together, um, one and had to get it approved and all of that. Uh, and then in doing that had to take my, you know, basic accounting class through the business school, found out that I liked it. Um, found out that I was good at it and it wasn't something that everybody was good at. Um, so mm. we kind of saw that as a, Oh, I have a strength here. This is something I should probably pursue in some way. Um, obviously was, um, familiar with the accounting profession, had been around the accounting profession for my entire life, really respected the work, uh, that CPAs did. And so I ended up double majoring in accounting and sports management, which, um, those that are in the CPA profession know you need 150 hours, um, to be licensed at the time you needed 150 hours to actually even sit for the exam. So that's how I got my 150 hours is I had the traditional accounting degree. Um, and I had a lot of really fun classes in sports management. Um, and I won't lie. It was fun to be able to take classes with some of the athletes as well. Um, got to have actually my accounting class. Um, James Laurinaitis was in my accounting class. If you're an Ohio state fan, uh, does he play sports ball? He, he played sports. He played sports pretty well. He's retired from the NFL now, though. Gotcha. Um, but then I that graduated and pursued the accounting side more than the sports side um, with the idea I would get my CPA, I would get experience, um, and then I would show up at the Ravens offices one day and say, hey, you should hire me. Um, so this is, you had no – at this point, there's nothing in your field of desire that would take you to be working – with or for an association. Correct, yes. There's But you did have exposure to the association world? Yes. So um, Jackie Brown, who is now our CEO, happens to share my last name, and that's very on purpose because she is my mother. Um, <laughs> and so I had been around the profession um, my entire life, I'd been around the MACPA my entire life, because wow. um, she will be there 41 years this summer, and I'm 33, so I do the math. Um, and I, so I had been around the association. I was a member, obviously you can't be the daughter of somebody that works, um, at the association that you should be a member of and not be one. Uh, so I was a member and I was an active member. Um, I volunteered with Nippin back in the day and things What's like Nippin? that. Nippin I know was the, yeah. 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 The new young, um, new young professionals network. Um, yeah. it was called. And actually when I was at Ohio state, Another fun fact, I was the student ambassador to Ohio State 
for the Ohio Society of CPAs. <laughs> no and so kidding. actually, my, I actually went and did volunteer work for the Ohio Society of CPAs and was actually um, photographed and put into their membership brochure. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that doesn't exist anymore. In, but, in that even, form, but that but. was certainly all under the um, pursuit of the, the professional direction of serving as a CPA. Not trying Correct. to Correct. Not as association. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it is interesting because as I look back, that role as a student ambassador um, for Ohio Society was a little bit different at Ohio State than it was at the other schools. I actually was paid by the accounting department at Ohio State um, to recruit accounting majors. Like, that's what I did. Uh, it was like, you know, very, it was one year term, um, probably, you know, less than five hours a week. It wasn't a big yeah. deal. But I look at what I do now and it's very similar. Like I, my role is to advance the accounting profession, support people in their careers and to recruit to the profession. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of my favorite work that I get to do is with students. Um, and so sometimes I think, oh, man, if I could have figured out that's what I really wanted to do back then, would I, my path have looked different? Um, but when I talk to students, I talk about my path being a lot like um, Lombard Street in San Francisco. Um, didn't really make sense at the time when I went to school for sports management. Um, I came out with an accounting degree and, and sports management degree. I went to work in a top 100 firm in audit, um, pursued the CPA, got my How CPA. Working in a firm or getting my CPA? Uh, well, doing audit work at a firm right out of school. Um, it was great. I got exposure to a lot of um, different industries, being yeah. a top 100 firm. Um, you know, have some interesting clients. Um, a couple of those clients were actually sports clients. So I got to see a little bit mm -hmm. of a sports management thing, um, which was what I wanted. Um, a lot of different industries though, as a first year staff, um, you get to kind of bounce around and see a bunch of different things and really enjoyed, it's, it's just like such a tremendous learning experience that first yeah. year or two. I remember being told like, don't worry, we don't expect you to know anything. I'm like, but wait, I just graduated with a degree and I just, I'm working on the CPA exam and all of those things. But yet when you get into the, the like real app, real life application of what you've learned, um, it's, it's so different. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really, the community, the people that I worked with, um, I really loved. And then a couple years into that, um, career, I just was feeling very stressed out. I was very overwhelmed, um, and had hit what a lot of, we hear a lot of in public accounting, honestly, is that um, burnout. And so I realized that I was at that burnout phase um, a lot quicker and a lot more, um, not severe, but um, I, I realized that I was working the same number of hours um, and the same kind of jobs and things like that as my colleagues around me, um, but I was suffering for it and they were thriving. And so I noticed that. And uh, we actually had a CPE session um, where they came in um, to my level, um, which was the, the senior, uh, not manager, senior auditors at the time. We did some sort of assessment of personality types and management styles and things. Yeah. And um, my results told me that I was um, categorized as spirited and considerate. That's how it like categorized how I lead and how I do work. Um, yeah. And every single one of my colleagues that were at the same level. So these are the people that I interned with, then was hired with. We had all studied for the CPA exam with. We were all friends. Um, were described as um, direct and systematic. <laughs> and I like Good noted person. that. I noted that. And I remember like look, talking and they were like, oh, yeah, we know you're different. Like we've, we've always thought you were weird. Not in that sense, but just like. <laughs> And I noted that, and I, I think I began that exploration of, okay, what does that mean? And is that why this is harder for me? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, we started um, kind of a intern and first year staff like um, training program. And I was super excited about it. I went, I made an entire fake audit um, so that they could practice different things. And, and I just loved when the interns and this first year staff came in and helping them. Um, and that made it clear that I, I liked doing that more than I liked doing the work myself. Um, yeah. And that's what when I discovery. decided. Yeah. Was that, yeah. was that coupled with any disappointment or sadness? Like, like you may, like, 
I don't know, like like you made a mistake or you wasted time or were you just so thrilled to have made this discovery? Like, how are you responding to that? Uh, yeah, scenario? No, it, was, it was a really hard period of time because mm. I had, even though I had um, like such fun creating that, none of my client work went away, right? That was like an extra thing I took on. Um, and so then I was just more behind and more overwhelmed. Um, and then what I saw was me not doing a good job in those other things because I was enjoying what I was doing over here so much that I was spending more, so much time over there. I wasn't doing a good job. Um, and so to feel like I had failed in public accounting, cause I got to the point where I said, I can't do this anymore. It's not the best version of myself to be here. It, and that's not fair to me. And that's not fair to my organization. Like I'm not, I'm not helping here in to the, my capacity. And meanwhile, you're a, you were a member of MACPA? I was. Um, what was your and, membership experience like during that part of your career? Um, honestly, it was more of the like mentors, the people I had met through that, that were guiding me through that process. Um, mm. And discovering, you know, maybe I was meant to do something different. Um, yeah. And having to come to terms with that um, and still feel like I wasn't a failure. Um, and even when, so I came to the MACPA kind of, um, through them, I was a volunteer, but they had, um, a, a special project kind of that came on that they needed help with. Um, and so I just started when I, cause I left my previous company and just took some time off. Like I didn't have another job go, to go to, which I always tell students like, uh, be aware of this because I have a mortgage and I quit my job. Probably not the best career or like move, um, but I also have an extremely um, supportive family and I've always been very good with managing money. So I was okay. Um, but I started helping out as just a way to, you know, learn something, get some extra money and then figure out what I really wanted to do. That's what I saw as my first role at MACP. Yeah. And then I just never left. <laughs> I just stayed and I kept on showing up and then all of a sudden I was, was full time and um, all of a sudden I was like, this, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I went through that really hard period of um, learning um, and um, figuring out that I could do that job. I could, I could have stayed in public accounting. I could have just like killed myself and done that and just been miserable. And yet God gave me the, a window into, Hey, you know, you can make this move. And I think, and I've talked with people before about this that, and they say, wow, you got to get that so early in your career that a lot of times mm -hmm. it takes years and years and years for people to like make a discovery like that. But I mean, by the time I was 25, I was going, you know what, I think I'm supposed to do something different and making a, a pretty big pivot into nonprofit. Um, and I started in the curriculum um, on that BLI sales team, um, putting curriculum together for firms, which I enjoyed. Um, and then in doing that, I was around and I was young and I was a CPA. So Tom took me to every student event that they had and, um, to my annoyance probably at the time, would call me out and say, Becca, stand up and tell them about this. And so I would have to speak to this group of students randomly um, and you know, kind of on the fly. Um, and then I started doing more of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, Tom can't be there. Becca, you can do this, right? You can talk to them and about the profession. Tell, tell, us, tell us who Tom is for anybody who doesn't oh, yes. know. Tom was our CEO at the time. Uh, so, and had been, um, you know, kind of instrumental in me figuring out my strengths and one, was one of those mentors, um, early on in my career as well. Um, so not something I, I still say to this day, there's, I could have never imagined that I would do as much public speaking as I do in my career. Um, if you had talked to me five years ago, if you had talked to me two years ago that I would be doing as much public speaking as I do, I would have laughed. If you had told like the child uh, me um, that would have laughed, um, yeah. not something I ever saw myself doing. Um, and yet it's out of, you know, experience and care for other people that I do it. It's not that I enjoy it all the time. It's not that I um, don't get nervous or scared each time, <laughs> just like I did the first time. 
but um, it's out of, I think I've learned something that I think might be helpful to other people. And then for me not to share that um, is me not, you know, being the best version of myself is not, is not that I value other people so much yes. that I have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order to help them. So when I can right. connect something I value to even something that I am scared of, it helps me to push through that. Um, and same with flying. Um, of course, this <laughs> last year in this pandemic, I haven't flown at all. In fact, I have a flight next month, um, fully vaccinated now and ready to go. Um, already anticipating and becoming anxious about that flight. But, you know, two years ago, I was flying two, three times a month. Um, and as somebody that um, is scared of flying, that seems a little ridiculous, but I valued what I got to do when I got there. And I valued the people that I got to see. Um, and so I leaned into that fear each time um, because I could connect it to something bigger. It's so what I'm struck by in this part of your story is, and obviously there's no way to know if this is true, but I could imagine a case where people who are working with and for members, especially leading associations like you, may not have quite so much fear about some of the things that the job requires or what member service might require in like the deep, like at the, you know, at different parts of the job, whether it's speaking or making a, whatever, there's so many, there's so many attributes to member service, but, um, but that in fact, you might be actually more equipped or better equipped or differently equipped because of your fear, because it forces you to have to recognize just how much you care. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you do it and do, again, I know I'm not, I'm characterizing only a portion of what you said is being somewhat fearful to you, but like the fact that you can do that is, is, and the, that it, the fact that you can do that and only through a measure of care and concern and wanting to help lead feels like a really beautiful spirit in the whole thing that they only makes the experience better for other people too. And, and I hope better for you. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that's how it, comes across. It's probably not always as eloquent <laughs> as it, they might be expecting, or um, it, it's always going to be very real. Um, so I try to tie a lot of, um, so the CPE sessions that I, that I have taught um, are all the success softer skill side, um, because believe me, you don't want me teaching you um, tax law. But the, the way I'm able to then put my story into that and um, share with people my experience, I think makes it, it's almost therapeutic for myself. Like I learned just as much, if not more, from having to prepare and do those than the people, the other people learn. It's almost kind of selfish that I do this, right? Because I'm then having to constantly remind myself of things that I've learned um, because you know none of us do it perfect. In fact, the other day I was thinking like, I don't know that I always lead my team very well. Um, you know, I get distracted easily or I get um, caught up in, you know, in the doing of things um, and forget kind of the, the leadership side sometimes. And I thought, oh, maybe I should take some like leadership, you know, courses. And then I kind of laughed at myself. I was like, oh, like the ones you teach other people. Um, <laughs> maybe you should take some of those, Becca. So it's just like, it, it's a constant process. Um, but when I think of associations too, um, and I've thought about like going and getting my like CAE, the um, Certified Association yeah. Executive, and I, and I still might want to pursue that. But um, when I first had the thought, I was like, I don't want to ever work for another association. Like that one, I have tremendous um, loyalty and affection for MACBA, its leadership, its members. Right. Um, and, and two, the, the reason I'm here is not because it's an association. It's because it's the accounting profession. I love the accounting yeah. profession. And so um, to connect, protect, and achieve with the accounting profession is what drew me to the MACPA and what keeps me here and what keeps me up at night to try to worry about, you know, our future CPAs and the future of our profession and, and what it's going to look like and, and how I, we can help our members. Um, 
that's what I'm drawn by. I can't, I can't imagine doing it for another profession or another thing. Um, so I don't know if I'll pursue that. Yeah. The game you're playing is not leading an association per se. The game you're playing is loving what you're doing, serving people and specifically CPAs through the profession. And you just happen and you just happen to be working for MACPA at the moment. Right. Yeah. And even with, when I explain to people, you know, my um, career story in like a a sentence, it would be that um, I work for the CPA profession, but not in the profession anymore. I don't do any accounting work. Like I really don't, I don't, I haven't made a journal entry in, you know, eight, nine years. Um, And I don't see myself doing more of that, but. Is that that ethos shared among people in the association world, generally speaking? Like if you were to be critical of your own people, so to speak, Mm -hmm. like would, would you be able to use what you just said as a, as a measure of that critique? Um, I don't know. I think, I think other people in the association space feel that way too. Like yeah. they feel like they work for a, a, a cause, a purpose, a passion, a, a, a profession, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, I think I just use that as a way to say, you know, there's people that know association stuff so much better than I do. Like yeah. I'll bring the profession perspective all day. You know, I'm technically our target member right now. I am, yeah. you know, 33, um, you know, in my career, you know, a CPA, um, you know, that demographic that we're all trying to reach, the younger professional, um, if you can call me younger still. Um, and <laughs> yet, um, I, I'm not an association person per se. Like, yeah. the, and, and sometimes I think I need to go get that knowledge. I really do. Um, but then I think about how, what I tell students about the accounting profession, right? Like, you, you can't know it all. You just can't. There's just too much information um and surrounding yourself with people that are experts in those areas is more important than trying to know it all yourself right like mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with community um with a diverse community of different perspectives different backgrounds um and then collaborating with them gets you a much better result than you ever would in your own and that's why i value associations that's why i think the macpa is important that's why I value the communities that we create for members. And in this last year, I think that has just been so highlighted beautifully with our members. Like I think of our um, connect communities. Now, right now, our our tax groups are the real active communities. This is your online discussion forum? Yes, yes. And our our online discussion forum for our tax folks um, is just like a beautiful representation of what it means to be in community with one another and to help one another. Because technically, in a lot of ways, these people are direct competitors, right? Um, but they don't see themselves as that. Like, it's a place to help one another. Um, and so how we figure out how we do that for other groups of members is something that I'm, I'm really wanting to figure out because it's there for those folks. Um, and it's just such a cool experience to watch. Um, some of our members just are like absolute superstars in helping other people. And that's what I think the CPA profession ultimately is, is about. Yes, there's all these things with numbers and math and all of that. Yeah. But when I talk to, you know, fifth graders about the accounting profession, um, I'm not talking about that. You know, the, the math stuff you can learn and it's really basic math. That's like the secret is we're not actually all that good at math. Um, like, <laughs> And I can tell you, I, I just reminded the other day that I was tutored in math when I, when I was in high school. And then I went to become a CPA. Um, but it's that you're able to um, translate and communicate complex things to other people. And so it's more about communication than anything else. Um, so I'm not sure where I was going with that, to be honest, or what the question was that I ended up there with. But I, I just love that the... Um... I love the type of reversals in your perspective. Like, um, as as the teacher, you are the greater benefit. You're the one that be- that benefits more from your own teaching. Like, you're tr- you're trying to serve other people, but then lo and behold, you end you end up realized like, to the degree that I'm serving other people, I'm receiving the benefit. Oh, it. definitely. Yeah. Or um, or like, the the reversal of uh, accounting is not about numbers. 
It's about translation. Um, those are important ideas that I'm sure some people see and live into and some people don't. And, and to your point about diversity, it's probably good that some people don't see it that way, nonetheless. But for those who do, mm-hmm. um, thank goodness, because I think it, it starts to paint a very different picture of the profession, of the role of the association. Like I can see like this, the, the, the spirit of what you're saying informing how you would go about making decisions about how to serve members when you realize that this is not just about a game of when we talk about growing professionally, it's not just a game of making more money, climbing the ladder, learning new skills. It is, it is, and can be all those things, but to help be reminding people of the role and purpose of community and even the role and purpose of the profession writ large, I think these are, these are squishy. I mean, call them philosophical, call them theoretical or whatever, but ultimately that, those are, those are the things that underpin any number of other decisions that the association be making that you're leading. So can you tell us what you, like, are there any examples that come to mind that based on this, I don't know if your perspective is unique or not, but it's certainly important. But based on that perspective, what type of decisions have you or MACPA made recently that would have been made differently if not for the perspective that you just shared of the role of accounting is being trans of being building a community of translators and communicators of people who care. Um, you, know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not, I, I can't identify like a particular instance. I don't think, I think one of the things that we're trying to do now more in terms of um, like branding and things out there about what the association is, is to use our actual members, like yeah. to showcase. Cause I think, um, one, we are just really blessed in, in Maryland with a diverse population, right? So I, I already think we have like this increased um, blessing of, of that. And then to showcase our members um, and their diversity and, in, and their community of that. Um, so yesterday I got to go to Junior Achievement's um, new offices that they're, they're building. And one of the things that we're investing in from uh, the MACPA Foundation side is one, yes, we need more CPAs. We need more students um, pursuing accounting and finance. So how do we do that? Where do we do that? How young do we have to start in doing that? Um, and so this, you know, biz town that they have, which teaches real like life skills, things that sometimes get lost um, in, you know, the schooling or, or those life lessons that some people take for granted that they had just in their upbringing, right? Um, and so we're the official sponsor of the, the CFO role in BizTown. And um, what that means, and we were walking through the space and going, okay, how can, we, how can we help kids see themselves in these roles? Like that's the ultimate goal for me in that, in that partnership, right? How can the you know, Baltimore City fifth grader that comes into that room see a picture um, of a member and go, that could be me. I could have that title. I could have that experience. I could have that knowledge. I could be somebody that people would go to um, for their wisdom around finance yes. and accounting. Um, yep. and, and how do I help more students see that? Um, I think, you know, television and, and things like that, they see the doctors, um, they, they see the lawyers to a degree, um, you know, teachers, obviously, but the, the accounting profession has an interesting kind of hidden aspect to it. Um, and yeah. sorry, you know what, Reva, yeah. Reva, um, my friend Reva Brennan shared with mm-hmm. me and I had not thought about this. I think it was her that said this, that said that the CPA profession is a generational profession that unlike other things where sort of anybody could decide to go be a doctor or pick your other, pick any other profession mm-hmm. that oftentimes only, um, people only choose to become CPAs if, if somebody in their family or immediate network was also. And so it sounds like what you're saying is you're expanding imagination so that it does not become such a generationally prescribed or the, opp- the opportunities are not just presented um, generationally because you're expanding the possibility of people's imaginations about what this profession is and who, who is included. Yeah. It, there is a really interesting dynamic of that. Um, and I think, 
that might start to change too, just because of the nature of the profession, right? Because it used to be, um, you know, there was always those larger firms, but the majority of accounting professionals were entrepreneurs too, right? And so um, they saw their father's firm and, or mother's firm, and so then they took it over. And so there is that, like, they know somebody, um, because I think it is hidden in a lot of ways. And the, the spirit of a CPA film um, that you guys helped um, put together, gosh, probably eight years ago, maybe, um, still is like so um, representative of our community and our profession because it is in a lot of ways silent. Um, and when it's not silent, often it's because it's a bad thing, right? There's a um, Bernie Madoff hands scandal, um, Enron, um, Sarbanes-Oxley, um, all of those things. Um, and as you look back through history, when the accounting profession gets talked about, it's because something broke, right? Um, and it might, sometimes it's their fault that it broke, um, or sometimes because it broke, there's, uh, there's a new standard. So Great Depression, we get the SEC, the SEC you know, the um, Enron, uh, Arthur Anderson scandal, we get the PCAOB and Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, then, you know, go a couple years forward, we get Dodd-Frank. Like all of these things are these breaks in systems that are underground and people don't see them, right? They don't care about them because they're just enjoying the economy that is seemingly going smoothly until something breaks. And so when we see the past year and the pandemic and the economic crisis that surrounded that, we see the CPA step up in huge mm -hmm. ways to work hours that are ridiculous, to fight for their clients, to, to get money and relief. Um, and, you know, at the same time, we have, you know, the, our corporate, so half of our members are in, in corporate finance and accounting roles or in government and not-for-profit, and half of them are in, in firms. And so our corporate members oftentimes are not just the accounting finance, but a lot of times those people take on roles of HR um, and things like that. So think of that role in the last year and the hard decisions those people have had to make because of you know, closed businesses and things like that. And then you think of our firm members who have that component as well, right? They're running an organization, but then they also have these clients um, that they care about. Like a lot of times our, our you know, mid-sized to small firm client is somebody that's a, um, um, uh, like a entrepreneurial business. So this is this person's like personal money. It's their livelihood. It's their life. They've devoted to creating whatever product or service or whatever that is. And so um, our firm members are not only trying to help them get the money that they need, because to get money, it's a very complex situation. It's not something that, you know, anybody can just go do. And so uh, navigating all of that in the last year has been overwhelming, right? Um, and sad seeing clients' businesses fail, seeing um, clients, you know, when you think of like personal finance and um, that side of our profession where is helping, you know, not just corporations, or organizations, but individuals in their finances, seeing, you know, the amount of death that's had that's happened um, because of the pandemic and all of those things. It's just created a really um, a hard time. And I think in a lot of ways, so Tom Hodar, former CEO, had said, you know, our, our CPAs are um, they're on the front lines of the economic crisis, right? Um, and, and it's true, they are. And yet it is one of those very silent things that, you know, mm. um, and it is something that I think if you talk to any um, CPA in the last year, it's been extraordinarily hard um, and rewarding at the same time um, when they've been able to help people. You... Uh... You would make a great sage and storyteller for the profession, like even just <laughs> characterizing the experience of what members contribute to, not just the problems they have, but also what they're contributing to. Um, it's really beautiful. Uh, you, you started that story with referencing a very short film, two minute, two minute film called The Spirit of a CPA. And if anybody, uh, anybody could see it, um, mm -hmm. It, I think it gets not only to the spirit of a CPA, but also that a uh, that an association would commission a piece 
like this um, to help characterize what they're doing on behalf of the profession that they that they that they serve speaks highly about the uh, role and vision that an association would have for itself. So for anybody listening to this podcast, if you just go to YouTube and type in spirit of a CPA, it would likely be one of the first results. You could also type in spirit of a CPA, um, M-A-C-P-A, which may return a more specific result. And as you're scrolling through, it was, it was uploaded in uh, 2014, actually. So that might help you find it. Anyway, um, Rebecca, so thank you for that, per- that perspective on the profession. I want to get, get a couple notes from you about your time as a member of MACPA and the, the, what you remember about the, the <laughs> what you remember about the member experience that you had while you were a member mm-hmm. uh, and how that, how that affect, affects what you do now. So looking back when you were a member and not working for the association, how did how do you remember what was so meaningful to you about that experience? What were the highlights of being a member? So that's a really interesting question because I was probably not the our ideal member in that I I knew the resources and I and I tried to take advantage of them and I tried to you know tell people other people in my firm to to take advantage of them but I didn't always succeed at that and when I came into a membership role at MACPA I remember thinking who am I to do this? because I couldn't even do it when I was, I was our target member, you know, and I can't even get my friends to join and be active. Like, who am I to try and like put things together? And what I've come to realize and learn is it looks different for different people, right? Um, And so when I put our champion program together, one of the really specific things I wanted to make it about was make it, micro volunteering and make it accessible to people in where they have passions, right? And so if we have somebody that's really interested in networking and business development, like there's a place for that person and they can get involved as much as they want. Um, If they're passionate about students and giving back um, like I was, there's a place for that, right? And it's not that the person that does one or the other is a different member or we treat them any differently, but, you know, those three components of connect, protect, and achieve, there's ways to be an active volunteer member and to appreciate those three things in different ways. Um, And so when I was a member and not a staff member of MACPA, um, I think I didn't always realize that. I think I didn't see that I could be... I could choose the things that resonate most with me and be involved in those. Um, I think I felt like a failure as a member because I wasn't involved in it at all. And now I want to communicate to members that, you know, we need you wherever you want to be part of this. Um, And even if that's more of a backstage, you know, I I just want the updates kind of things like that. That that member is just as valuable, right? So... And, and, And membership is just as valuable to them. Like, even if you don't squeeze out every possible benefit it's not i mean i would imagine it's not easy to get it's not hard to get your money's worth out of being a member with macpa right yeah i mean i I think even if you are a more passive member i think the benefit is um i hope the benefit is very obvious um and uh so where i saw that in my career before as a member and where I want to be able to communicate that to members now is, um, you know, we know you're not always going to be at every event or volunteering. We know that you might not want to be on a committee or you might not want to be a political advocate in Annapolis for us or, you know, that there is a place for diverse communities in MACPA. And I think that's one of the things that resonated with um, our incoming chair, Lexi Kessler, when we were talking through um, something that we're putting together right now for members um, to unveil in a couple months, um, was that that the the term was um, communities, and that this isn't a there is one large community, and we are yeah. have each other's backs, but there's a lot of um, diverse groups doing different things, um, yeah. all holding up this bigger organization and profession in Maryland. Yeah, and that's probably more so as the effects of generations come more into focus. And even as I would imagine people have to specialize 
um, in different ways now. So yeah, that makes that yeah. makes a ton of sense. I, I know a lot of times um, we might think of in it, when we talk about association leadership and crafty member experiences, like we all, I would imagine always um, want to make it so that membership's a no brainer. Like it's a, it's the easiest check to write, uh, mm -hmm. if, so to speak. Obviously at, at MACPA, not many people are writing checks anymore. Most people are on uh, sub, uh, membership subscription, um, which I want to ask you about that real quick too. But, yeah. um, but um, I, I like the idea of just making it, of trying to design the member experience so that, yeah, of course I'm a member and I don't have to be this. I, I, I can be an all-star if I want to, I don't have to be an all-star to still create, uh, give value and receive value. So I think that's, I think that's a really great point. Um, what are some of the big member experience wins or campaigns or changes of the experience design that you have participated in since joining MACPA as a staff person? Um, I think the town halls are, are one thing, um, that I, I think are just like one of the, the best things that we started doing. I think it, um, engages members in a different way. It kind of gives them the opportunity to, um, very quickly, um, see the overview, right? Cause you said that specialization, um, you know, our, our members by, necessity almost our heads down a lot right and so we give them that opportunity to see a bigger picture see things that they didn't see coming um and and we do that a lot through our town halls but also through blog posts um through you know what we share on social media um uh, our learning the the learning that we choose to you know um have available to our members our preferred provider relationships um that idea of being that lookout post that helping the member um, see um, some, a little bit, the future a little more clearly so that our member is, is more future ready and more prepared than the average person because we're kind of pointing them to things um, and just making them aware of it. You know, we're not telling them what they should do with it or, or anything like that, but just giving them resources um, so that they don't feel like they have to go read every magazine right. and everything. It's just too much stuff, right? So. I think that's, that's probably example. the biggest um, thing I can think of is that idea of um, that lookout post that we want to be for our members. Yeah, so that's your that's your prevailing metaphor of decision making. Of we are the lookout post, and therefore whatever we're going to try to do or change any any shifts of of membership experience. I, my sense is that MACPA was. Uh, whether or not you were felt like an early adopter to the idea of like membership subscriptions yeah. that seems to have been working well for you. Any, any reflections about that piece of running membership specifically? Yeah. Um, I think that that's a little bit of that lookout post too. We've always kind of yes, um, okay. been a little bit on the edge. Um, and sometimes that hurts more than others, I will say. Um, but it's never not worth it. Um, so like moving to the subscription model or having that available to our members, I think, um, was an important move that we made, um, and change is hard. Um, so there was times where that was hard, but I think, um, moving in that direction, um, has made membership easier, um, made that, um, experience easier, um, uh, made, our um, team more focused on serving members and the member benefits than the logistics of having to run a membership organization. And sometimes, um, can you can you give us a, just a very quick overview of the machinery of that and how it works for you for, for the subscription? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I guess I've been in this role. I've been in charge of membership for probably six years, I want to say, maybe seven. Yeah. Um, and so prior, and we've been, so probably seven, because I did at least one or two membership renewals before we went into the subscription model. And we've been on the subscription model, I think, for six years this coming June. And I might wow. be wrong on that. But um what membership renewal used to look like versus what that time period looks like is very different now. Um, there's still a lot of activity, but it's it's a lot um, smoother. 
it's a lot easier, I think, for members and for our team. Um, and I think the, um, the process is just more frictionless. I think it's just, it's just easier and it, and yeah. it's more in line with what we see in our world now. Um, and one of those things is, is that term dues that we wanted to get rid of. Right. Yeah. Um, cause there's just not a positive sense around that there never has and and so i think about how i live my life right now and the amount of subscriptions i am a part of whether they're paid or not or whether i'm borrowing my friends netflix or not um the, the subscriptions i'm a part of um and the um, benefits that i get from those that i don't even have to think about um and how we right. kind of made membership part of that membership at MACBA have that option, um, and to be just kind of a, a an everyday thing. I think the monthly fees um, instead of the annual um, fee made it easier. I think it allowed our members to spend their time um, on the things that matter to that to them rather than you know the renewal process. I think we learned a lot through that process. Um, there's some probably some things I would have done differently. Um, but overall, even though that was a, a hard change, I absolutely think it was the right decision and I would do it again. Um, so I guess, I don't know. It's, it's been an interesting learning experience through that. Um, yeah. One of the things that we've seen as a result, and I, and I can't nail down the why behind it yet, but the amount of CPA candidate members that we have has dramatically increased. Um, That's interesting. And when, so when I you don't say know. Dramatically, what's, what's, a, what's a dramatic increase? Like a 20% increase or? Well, now you're going to make me do math. I just told you that CPAs <laughs> don't really I'm do just math. saying, characterize what you mean by dramatic. Um, let's see. I mean, 20% would be probably right. Um, yeah, maybe probably more. Maybe forty percent. Wow. To, yeah, increase. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the subscription model, which I think is more understood by younger demographics, um, which those CBA candidates tend to be. Um, but that—that's one of the the things I've seen change in our um, membership. I think yeah. slightly somewhat of a result of that because it's, you know, especially once you have the monthly, it's what, um, $3 a month. It's like, okay, maybe I won't get Starbucks or maybe I'll get a smaller Starbucks depending on the, the, the coffee that you're getting that, that won't even buy you Starbucks right that month. So, you know, let's invest in myself a little bit here. And that pays, I mean, that, that's sort of an annuity for the organization, if you can get people in at that level. Exactly, yeah, because then hopefully they're getting the benefit of being a, a full CPA member right away, even though they're not a CPA, but they see the community. Um, and then when they pass the exam, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I be a part of this? Um, right. Even though, you know, my do or my, see, I did it just did then, I still catch myself. Even though my <laughs> rate is going to go up slightly um, as a result, because now I have you know, CPE benefits and things like that. Um, there, there's a kind of a no brainer aspect to it. Yeah. I love that. Um, as we, as we wrap up, what, are there any trends that you're noticing in terms of member experience that our, that our audience would uh, be happy to glean from you? Like what, what are you seeing, um, that you would suggest as it relates to member experience design at this point? Um, and I don't know that I have any kind of wisdom necessarily in this, and it's probably something that everybody else sees, but the like personalized experience I think is, is more and more important. Um, I think people need to, to see, um, things that are super relevant to them. I think people need to be able to, um, see themselves in the community too. Mm. So to feel included, I think inclusion, um, it, it, as part of our community is really important. Um, because good. I want people to feel welcomed, supported, 
um, and feel like they're a part and have something to contribute to our community. Right. I think um, people need to to see that. Um, I think people gen genuinely want to um, not just be a um, a taker of the communities that they're a part of, but a giver too. I think. Right. Um, I think that's part of it too. So where you can do those micro volunteering, where you can showcase how people can get involved and showcase um, how they fit and how they're included um, and all of that. I, I think of our, our polls that we do during town halls often, you know, what kind of organization do you work for? There's always some others and we're always trying to figure out what the others are so we can put that as an example so that nobody's an other. We don't want anybody to ever feel like they're an other, that they're like, they do this weird thing that nobody else in our community does. Um, yeah. We want them to feel like they're a part of it. Um, so. It sounds to me like one way of characterizing what you're talking about is that the more you can design an embodied experience or an embodied appreciation of what membership looks like, the better off you are. So getting close to people, doing real things, thinking about your, um, junior achievement idea, joining committees, all that sort of stuff. Um, does that resonate with anything that you're saying? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's um, very true. I think the more moments that we are able to get to know our members, the more um, times that we're able to really understand what they, they need the more times we're under able to just get to know them personally. All of those things I think really matter when um, using um, our own member pictures in things. Um, yeah, just, right. I think that really, I mean, it resonates for me because it's not just a, you know, a stock image or, or whatever. Um, but I'm like, no, I know Keith. Like that's Keith. Right. I know his story. I, and, you other know, people know, and other people know Keith too. So if you're using that in media, if you're if, when, when creating media, talking to members, when people see their peers, yes, the familiar face just has so many. I mean, that, that's sort of the whole point. Like we're not just providing services. It's connecting with real people. And there's, and to demonstrate that, to, I mean, in this, it, it's, it's the same thing that you're talking about the junior achievement thing where you put a, when you put people on the wall so the kids can see themselves in the pictures, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're leaning into the imagination that precedes plausibility. Well, let's apply the same logic to the member experience. Where can we create imagination that precedes plausibility for what the community or the communities can be, be appreciated as, um, and then achieve with, as we all achieve together, like achieve for the sake of the improvement of society. Like you were talking about with every time there's a break, CPAs are on the front end of putting the pieces back together. Like that's all, that's all exactly it. And to the degree that the association can position itself to uh, be the, I don't know the word is the, the bulwark, the, the, the force, the face of the piece putting back togetherness, like that itself can be inspiring uh, to an individual member knowing that, man, I can keep my head down and keep doing good work here and it's not going to be totally lost. There is somebody who sees, there is somebody who's helping. I'm going to do my role and I don't have to necessarily overextend because I can see the stories. I can see the news. I can see it's making a difference as the, as the association um, curates uh, that type of experience and even storytelling. I love it. Definitely. Um, well, is there anything that I, that you were hoping I would ask you that I've neglected to ask you? I don't think so. More about, I, I did not ask you enough about Ohio State. <laughs> oh. Well, we can, we can talk about football if you want later, but yes. <laughs> Good. Well, this is great. Um, any, any closing salvo for, for folks who are just thinking about questions of member experience? Like if you're, 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 most uh the advice that you give most often or the thing that you most recently learned that is the most powerful like what advice do you have for us uh, for anybody that's designing that's trying that's endeavoring to design a great member experience yeah i think that that personalization and getting to know people yeah. like it's the it's to 
the organization, it's to the member's benefit, it's to the association's benefit, and it's to my personal benefit when I get to know our members. Um, and it just brings me great joy to get to know them and to be able to connect them to each other in times. I just got an email um, this week about a member who's struggling in a new role and trying to find somebody. And I said, you know, yeah, actually, I do know somebody that's in a role like that can, that you can bounce ideas off of. Like, that is my job. It seems very minute sometimes. Sometimes it, I, I look at, you know, how many people do we have for this event? Or how many people do we have in, you know, taking advantage of this program? Uh, are we successful? All of those things. How many members do we have? Uh, all of those things. And then I go, nope, I helped one member figure out something in their job today. It's a success. Like that is, if I can help one student, one fifth grader, if I can find the next Kimberly Ellison Taylor in Baltimore City, like my entire career is now worth it, right? So that's what it is. It's getting to know individual members um, and connecting them to each other. Like that's the, that's the joy of my career and what I try and do more of each day. That's it. Rebecca Brown, you <laughs> are, you're a joy. Thank you for coming on and talking with us. You are very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> we'll have you back soon. All <laughs> right. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks, Brody. Thanks for listening to today's episode. The Association OS podcast is hosted by Blue Ocean Ideas. BOI leads brand strategy, marketing execution, and technology transformation for associations across the U.S. If you're interested in learning how BOI can help your professional association, visit our website, blueoceanideas.com, where you can find our phone number, email address, and live chat options to get in touch. Check the show notes for more details. Thanks for listening.